You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hi, welcome to episode number 84 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. And in today's episode, you're going to learn a bit about Eric Clapton. In the main segment, you're going to learn why Eric Clapton was raised to believe that his mother was actually a sister. After that main segment, we're going to hear a quick word from our great sponsors, NatureBox, and then we're going to move on to the bonus why article for today, which is about the phrase rock and roll and where exactly it comes from. And then after that, you're going to learn a bit more about Eric Clapton in the bonus fact section. So let's just get right on with today's show, episode number 84. Clapton's mother, Patricia Molly Clapton, was just 16 years old when she met and subsequently had a very brief relationship with Clapton's father, Edward Walter Fryer. Fryer was a 24-year-old Canadian soldier stationed in Britain during the tail end of World War II. In order to earn extra cash, Fryer would play piano and sing at various clubs around where he was stationed, something he'd actually been doing for a living since the age of 14 when he ran away from home. While stationed in Surrey in 1944, he performed at a small pub in Surrey, where he met Patricia Clapton one fateful night, and she became pregnant with Eric Clapton. Due to the social stigma attached to being a child born out of wedlock in 1940s Britain and the various difficulties for a 16-year-old girl in raising a child, Patricia's mother and stepfather agreed to raise Eric as their own, including telling him he was their son and his mother was his sister. Even though Patricia's stepfather's name was different than her own, Clap instead of Clapton, and this might tip people off that Eric was not the son of his grandparents, Eric was given the last name of his real mother, Clapton, which was the last name of Patricia's real father, Reginald Cecil Clapton, who her mother had separated with and subsequently married Jack Clapp. When Eric Clapton was only a few years old, his real mother, Patricia, married another Canadian military man, Frank MacDonald, and moved around with him, primarily to Canada and, for a short time, Germany. Even though she was now old enough to raise Eric, indeed having other children quite quickly after being wed, she still chose not to do so and continued to act the part of Eric's sister. It wasn't until he was nine years old when Patricia came by for a visit, bringing along his six-year-old half-brother that Clapton was told the truth by his grandmother. Even once he knew the truth, though, he still remained with his grandparents, and he and his real mother continued to play the part of brother and sister. As for his father, Clapton never got to meet him, as Fryer died of leukemia in 1985, long before Clapton had found out much of anything about him other than his name, which his grandmother had told him. It wasn't until 2007, thanks to a Montreal journalist, Michael Wollashuk, who had tracked down Fryer and his family, that Clapton learned more about his father, including that he had been a travelling musician who played the piano and saxophone, and also sung. Fryer also married several times during his travels, and had several other children. It is thought that his father never knew he had a famous musician's son, or, at the least, he never mentioned it to friends and family, if he knew. So, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by NatureBox, a subscription service for nutritious snacks with new snacks introduced every month, made from wholesome ingredients. Unlike most of the snacky foods you're probably used to eating, NatureBox snacks contain no high-fructose corn syrup, no partially hydrogenated oils, no trans fats, and no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors. So if you've not heard of NatureBox before and you don't know how it works, basically it's a subscription service. And if you are a listener to this podcast, you can get 50% off your first box if you go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge. 
And then each month, you'll receive five different nutritionist-approved full-size snack bags containing things like blueberry almond bites, Bombay curried cashews, dark cocoa almonds, lemon pucker pistachios, or Italian bistro pretzels, among over a hundred or so other varieties. For the first month, you'll get a variety of different snacks sent to you, and from there, you can choose which snacks you want to get each month, or just continue to discover new favorites. So once again, as a listener of this podcast, you can get 50% off your first month's box. All you have to do is go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge and sign up there. Happy snacking. Why rock and roll music is called rock and roll. The word roll has been used since the Middle Ages to refer to, among other things, having sex. For example, let's go for a roll in the hay or rolling under the sheets. The word rock, again, among other things, has been used since at least the 17th century as a term meaning shake or disturb. By the 19th century, this had also spread to black gospel singers using rock to refer to being shaken in a spiritual sense, as in spiritual rapture, rocked. By the early 20th century, rock had evolved to somewhat being used as a slang term by black Americans referring to dancing to music with a strong beat, principally what we know of today as rhythm and blues, at the time called race music or race records. Around this same time, these two terms, rock and roll, began being used together, forming a double entendre typically referring to very suggestive or scandalous dancing, as well as simply having sex. One example of this can be found in the 1922 song My Man Rocks Me with One Steady Roll. Another early reference to the term rock and roll was in a 1935 J. Russell Robinson lyric from Henry Red Allen's Get Rhythm in Your Feet and Music in Your Soul. If Satan starts to hound you, commence to rock and roll, get rhythm in your feet, and music in your soul. This finally brings us to why rock and roll music is called that. In the early 1950s, a Cleveland, Ohio disc jockey named Alan Freed on his show The Moondog Rock and Roll House Party played early forms of rock and roll and specifically called the music by that name, a phrase he was previously familiar with from race records and songs such as Rock and Roll Mama, 1939, and Rock and Roll. There were three songs named that in the late 1940s. Freed was encouraged to call this mix of music rock and roll by his sponsor, record store owner Leo Mintz, who was trying to boost sales on race records by getting white shoppers to buy them. Race records weren't very popular at the time among white people, but by rebranding the music rock and roll, it quickly became extremely popular among teenagers of all ethnicities. And now for today's bonus facts. Clapton's son Connor, who he had with model and late actress Laurie Del Santo while still married to Patty Boyd, died at the age of four years old after falling from a window in Del Santo's 53rd floor New York City apartment. The window was a full-wall window and had been removed by a janitor to let fresh air in while he worked. Connor was playing hide-and-seek with a nanny and running from her when he ran into the room with the open window and straight out of it. Clapton found out when he arrived later to pick up Connor and Del Santo to go to the zoo. This gave rise to one of Clapton's most popular songs, Tears in Heaven, which is referencing Clapton's grief as well as regret that up until that point he had been a reluctant father who was often absent, and according to Del Santo, only the night before had told her that he wanted to become a much bigger part of Connor's life, only to have Connor die the next day. Hence the line, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Bonus fact 2 According to Del Santo, during her pregnancy, Clapton attempted to commit suicide by hanging himself, but ultimately just passed out and eventually regained consciousness. Clapton's manager also attempted to get Del Santo to abort the baby, as he thought Del Santo would try to use the baby to extort money from Clapton, which ultimately never happened. Clapton stated in his autobiography, In the lowest moments of my life, 
The only reason I didn't commit suicide was that I knew I wouldn't be able to drink anymore if I was dead. It was the only thing I thought was worth living for, and the idea that people were about to try and remove me from alcohol was so terrible that I drank and drank and drank, and they had to practically carry me into the clinic. Bonus fact 3. The nickname Slow Hands was not, as is commonly thought, given to Clapton due to playing the guitar slowly. Rather than go off stage to fix a broken guitar string or have it fixed by a roadie, Clapton would typically stand on the stage and replace and tune the string in front of the audience. While he was doing this, the audience would give him a slow clap, or slow hand, until he had fixed it and was ready to play again. This ultimately became a common thing with Clapton while he was with the Yardbirds. According to Clapton, Giorgio Gamelski, who managed the Yardbirds, then gave him the nickname Slowhand. Clapton stated, He coined it as a good pun. He kept saying I was a fast player, so he put together the Slowhand clap phrase into Slowhand as a play on words. Bonus Fact 4 Clapton was good friends with Jimi Hendrix and was supposed to meet Hendrix on the night of his death at a Sly in the Family Stone concert. Clapton had bought him a guitar, which was a rare one, made for a lefty. Hendrix usually just played right-handed guitars upside down. Hendrix did not show up to meet him that night. Clapton stated, The next day, I heard he had died. He had passed out, stoned on a mixture of booze and drugs, and choked on his own vomit. It was the first time a death of another musician really affected me. We'd all felt obliterated when Buddy Holly died, but this was much more personal. I was incredibly upset and very angry, and was filled with a feeling of terrible loneliness. Clapton also stated, I went out into the garden and cried all day because it left me behind. Not because he'd gone, but because he hadn't taken me with him. It just made me so... angry. I wasn't sad. I was just pissed off. Bonus Fact 5 Clapton was also among the last people to ever be with Stevie Ray Vaughan, having given up his seat on the helicopter that ultimately crashed, killing Vaughan. Clapton gave the seat to him because Vaughan wasn't feeling well and he didn't want him to have to wait for the next helicopter. Amazingly, Clapton was also supposedly one of the last people to see Dwayne Allman before he died in a motorcycle crash. Bonus Fact 6 Along with Clapton, Ted Bundy was another famous person to have grown up thinking his mother was his sister. His father is unknown. His mother claims that it was a sailor she met named Jack Worthington, but his family suspected that it was a cover-up story, and his real father is his grandfather, Samuel Cowell, who was known to be abusive. Samuel Cowell and his wife Eleanor were also the ones who raised Bundy. Bundy discovered the truth about his mother when a cousin mocked him and showed him a copy of his birth certificate. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.